Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. A gorgeous 25-year-old, Michaela, goes missing. A chilling final message from her does it supply any clues left behind i'm nancy grace this is crime stories thank you for being with us here at fox nation and sirius xm 111 first of all take a listen to this michaela if you see this and you're out there we just want you to know that you are loved very, very much. It's been almost a week since anyone has seen or heard from 25-year-old Michaela Standrid. This is just a horrible nightmare our family's going through. You don't think that this is going to happen to your family, and then when it does, it's it's a nightmare. Now friends and family are taking it upon themselves to search for her, combing the area she was last seen in, even handing out these flyers with their own personal numbers on them. You're hearing our friends at KIRO and the voice of Michaela's aunt, Marty Martone. Ms. Martone, thank you for being with us. When did you first suspect something was wrong? The day that she went missing, April 21st. Was she supposed to see you? Did she not text you or call you as you expected? What happened? My brother got a hold of me and he said that his daughter was missing and um, that she was supposed to call him. He was supposed to go pick her up um, from the house she was at and He didn't hear from her. In addition to a very disturbing message, 
there is also a 911 call. Uh, guys, take a listen now to our friends at Fox 13. The Skagit County Sheriff's Office wants your help finding a missing woman. This is 25-year-old Michaela Standridge. Detectives say that someone called 911 from her phone on April 21st and dispatch heard a woman scream and ask for help. Her phone was found near the Skagit River, but Standridge was nowhere to be found. Deputies searched the area using boats, drones, even a helicopter, but they haven't been able to find her. If you know anything that might help, or if you see Michaela, you're asked to call Crime Stoppers or submit a tip through the P3 Tips app. Guys, uh, that tip number is 360-416-1911. Repeat, 360-416-1911. Straight out to CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter Nicole Parton. Nicole, what happened on April 21? So the 911 call comes in and the dispatcher can hear screaming in the background and they can hear Michaela screaming for help, screaming for help. Once that dispatcher is connected, that call immediately goes dead. That's it. Communication is lost. Now, we know that um, we're being told that someone inside the home said that Michaela was screaming there's also a neighbor that said they heard screaming, her crying for help. Someone in the home said she ran out barefooted, screaming for help. And then that call comes in to 911, disconnected, and that's it. That's very odd to me. Uh, joining me, high-profile lawyer Irv Miller with The Miller Firm, legal analyst, CBS2, WBBMTV, and legal advisor to The Good Wife and The Good Fight. Irv Miller, thank you for being with us. That sounds like a lot of evidence. And, I mean, people hear her screaming, someone saw enough to say that she ran out of the home and she was screaming. We know she called 911. It's really hard for me to get my head around why this woman hasn't been found. Well, uh, this is more than a missing person case based on uh, all the uh, information you just provided. Uh, there's something nefarious going on that happened to this young lady. And I think it's incumbent upon the police department uh, involved to be a little bit more transparent uh, I don't know if they've released that, uh, the copy or recording of that 911 tape, but certainly it should be released uh, to let the public uh, actually know what's going on. Because I think what the aunt did in this case and bringing this case to the public's attention is outstanding uh, investigative work that should have been done by the local police department, not by her. Jason Jensen joining us, uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, private investigator, owner of Jensen Private Investigations and the co-founder of Cold Case Coalition. Jason, thank you for being with us. When a 911 call is made, isn't it true that there is caller ID on the other end? And that that call can also be pinged and traced. Oh, absolutely! They they know exactly the IP location where that where that call was placed. So, for them to be checking in the vicinity of the home makes sense because they're realizing that was her last known location. Uh, can I tell you something, Jason Jensen? The other night, you know, my twins are now fifteen, so we, John David, my son, wanted to practice drive at night. So out we went at about a quarter of nine. So we drove all through the neighborhood, and he said, let's cross the highway and drive over to the church. So I said, okay. It's right there beside him. 
we crossed over and we went to the parking lot of the church and we're driving around and lo and behold right there in the back parking lot where the big boy scout camper van is parked there was a guy of course i got his description hunched down in the driver's seat of what appeared to be a gray silver tacoma at 9 30 at night hiding behind the boy scout camper van so when you drove by the church, you couldn't see him. Well, of course, I call 911. This is what I'm circuitously working up to a point, Jason. Within about five minutes, I got a call back on my cell phone. And I said, they said, why were you suspicious? And I know I've never seen that car in that parking lot before. The guy was hunched down in his car seat like he didn't want me to see him. And he's parked about a foot away from a Boy Scout camper. That's not normal. Why is he in our church parking lot? Anyway, they said, can you give us a description? Because we're looking for a white male right now in that area. Anyway, my point is, you darn toot, and they've got your phone number. Even if you punch star six, seven and try to block it, they will find you. And I don't understand why when this woman calls 911 from this area, why they didn't go immediately to the area. Help me, Jason. Yeah, it's bewildering because according to what reports have claimed is that she was literally yelling for 911, help me, help me, help me. So she's obviously in distress. She knows she is. So something's afoot. Okay, how would that happen, though, Irv Miller? How would they actually go about getting her location they obviously had her phone number and did nothing oh the technology that the police departments have these days is just uh, amazing uh, uh i'm not sure how advanced this particular department is that received this 911 call um every department that i've uh, uh either been associated with or having subpoenaed their records for a case uh they managed to have um, unbelievable information as far as uh, uh the actual towers that the phone calls are connected to the phone is connected to they can track your location within a matter of feet um and, and i i can't explain why this police department didn't do the uh, type of work that they were supposed to do when a 911 call comes in i know they prioritize the various uh, cases that come in um there's a difference between you know some a call in a shoplifting case and a woman screaming for help. And uh, to me, that's uh, priority number one. I guess everybody on this panel has heard the name Kitty Genovese. A woman was stabbed multiple times, screaming and begging for help when people were looking out their windows, just watching her get murdered. That was in 1964. And the so-called bystander effect has been a point of discussion ever since. What liability, if any, do the people have that stand by and watch, much less the ones that video record everything that's happening? Nicole Parton joining us, investigative reporter with CrimeOnline.com. You said that people observed her running out, screaming, and nobody did a thing? That's right, Nancy. So um, her boyfriend in the home where she was last seen, um, his story is that he saw her run out. He heard her screaming. Um, yet, to my knowledge, he made no 911 call himself. Um, he admits that he didn't go out to see what the screaming was or if she was okay. Um, he didn't follow up on that. Um, but there is that witness who says, yes, 
I saw her leave the home, and yes, I did hear screaming outside. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, this isn't just a woman that, you know, uh, we can't find that she's, quote, run off with her boyfriend. I'll never get over Drew Peterson saying that over and over and over about his wife, Stacy, his fourth wife, Stacy. She's dead. He killed her. But he kept saying, oh, she just left. She left behind her children, her car, her clothes. She just ran off with her, her new boyfriend. There is no new boyfriend. He killed her. This woman ran from the home. This, she's a girl as far as I'm concerned. She's 25 years old and she's beautiful. She's got the bluest blue eyes I have ever seen. She's gorgeous. She didn't just run off with a new boyfriend. Foul play has befallen her. Again, the tip line is 360-416-1911. Now take a listen to our friend Jake Chapman. Her aunt tells us she'd been staying in this neighborhood recently and was trying to call for help last Friday. But sadly, that call never went through. The Skagit County Sheriff's Office confirming that information as they continue their search. Deputies showing us where they've been looking the past week, hoping to find anything that can lead to Michaela. 
even though this has been a tough time for the family. You know, it may seem like we're not understanding what they're doing. Is it not, you know, we don't think it's happening fast enough, but this is our kid that's missing. Okay, we keep hearing the call didn't go through, the call didn't go through, the call did go through. She was sort of screaming into the phone to 911. Now, why nothing was done with that, I don't know. But that call did go through. I'm following up on what you just heard from Jake Chapman at Cairo 7. Mike Hatzel is with us, president and founder of Peace River Canine Search and Rescue. You can find him at P-R-S-A-R, Peace River Search and Canine Rescue.org. Mike, thank you for being with us. Sure. I find it very curious that the family is having to go out and search for Michaela. Um, I don't understand what's happening with law enforcement in this area of uh, concrete Washington. But the family is out and even handing out flyers with their personal names on the flyers. What should be happening in the search right now? What should L.A. law enforcement be doing? Well, speaking from my experience, generally when a call like this comes in, we are dispatched within three to four hours after that call comes in. There's going to be an initial deputy that goes out there. He's going to make the call. Then they're going to start calling resources in, and we're going to all going to be out in the river, the woods, everything within three to four hours after that call comes in. I do not understand why it took so long to get star teams. I think it was three days before the actual search and rescue teams got out there. Now in the state of Washington, they are excellent SAR teams there. I mean, they have some of the best in the country in that state and why they're not out there. I don't know why they're, they're not out there. The law enforcement appears to have dropped the ball on this one. I mean, I really do, but um, it happens, especially in some of these smaller law enforcement agencies. Uh, the, the report comes in, it gets put on the missing person detective's desk. He's not back in until Monday morning, so nothing happens until Monday morning. And uh, so it should have been, those areas should have been combed within three to four hours after the call came in. We also know that upon her running from the home, screaming, calling 911, witnesses heard a car scratch off leading authorities to believe she may have been in the car, which completely alters the search. Uh, joining us again, Michaela's aunt, Marty Martone. Again, Ms. Martone, thank you for being with us. How long did it take authorities to start looking for her? Um, well, first off, Michaela's now 26. She had a birthday on June 19th. Um, and uh, first off, when she made the 911 call, um, authorities knew Michaela and they knew her boyfriend very well. They knew that she was staying in that house. And when they, when the after the 911 call, they went out and they did search the, the area of the 911 call just up and down the road right there. But they didn't go knock on the door. And that to me is, that's heartbreaking right there. Because if they would have went and knocked on that door and asked if Michaela was okay, they may have found her right there. Um, because they knew. And they just left the area. And after we called 911 that evening, uh, they said that she, she'll probably come back. Don't worry about it. It's only been 12 hours. Um, a deputy was, uh, you know, the, a couple deputies went out kind of just looked around 
and we told them we were going to knock on doors and, you know, they said we could do that. They went and knocked on a couple doors. A detective was assigned Monday. Uh, she went missing Friday. A detective was assigned Monday. A small search and rescue team, not not the actual SAR team, just a small foot team was assigned on Tuesday. And um, they just kind of looked around. Um, and I believe her phone was found two or three days after that. So like Wednesday or Thursday, her phone was found and it was down by the river. Um, it was in some bushes and it was in an area that we had already searched. We had already been all along the banks of the river. That was the first place that family searched was all along the river. A matter of fact, it was where we did the Cairo, the K-I-R-O interview. We were standing right there where they found the blanket. Uh, there was a blanket there and her phone. We were already there. That phone was planted there. I guarantee that phone was planted there. I, I put my life on it. And um, we, 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 we searched all along that area. And then um, two weeks after Michaela went missing, the family hired our own search dog team. The family did. And we searched all along the riverbanks, uh, up along the boyfriend's property, and we didn't find anything. And then three weeks after Michaela went missing, that's when the sheriff's office finally deployed the actual SARS team with the dogs, um, quads, boats, all of that. Um, they did have, like they, before that, they put some boats in the river. They had a helicopter up. After, that's after they found her phone, after they found her phone, which was probably uh, with, within five to seven days after she went missing. That's when they put the boats in the water and a helicopter and a couple of them walked around. Um, that's, that's when they, that's when there was nothing done Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, Monday, there was a couple of detectives assigned and, uh, we, we were told that if we went up there, we'd be impeding an investigation. I've been threatened with charges. You were actually threatened with being charged with impeding? Yeah, I've been threatened with impeding an investigation. I've been threatened with burglary because, uh, I've knocked on people's doors and said, hey, you know, Michaela could be hiding in an outshed or a trailer or even. Wait a minute. Why would she be hiding in a shed? Uh, she she was running. She was running, screaming, trying to get away from somebody. We think. I know, but still be in a shed. Not now. But this, this was like the, the first couple days she could be hiding. Um, it, it was a very violent situation that she was in. She was that night. She was calling for a ride to get out of that house. She was trying to get out of that house. That's what was going on. And that's why she, she was afraid. She, she was afraid of something. The, 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 the phone call that she made to her dad at 2.30 in the morning, this was going on from 2.30 in the morning on. She was, she was trying to call for a ride home. Her brother's car was broke down. Um, she called her dad, and he said that he was going to get up and get ready for work and come get her. Um, another thing that hasn't been mentioned much is after the 911 phone call, about it was 13 minutes or 17 minutes later, she made another phone call. She made that phone call to her dad, and he was in the shower getting ready for work, and he didn't get the phone call. So there was another phone call made after 911. What did she say to her dad? Yeah, he didn't answer the phone. He was in the shower. Did she leave a message? No, uh uh-uh. She just made a phone call. Her, her phone made a phone call. We're not even sure if it was her, but her phone made a phone call. So after 911, the phone wasn't dead. It was it was 
we don't know if it was taken from her and stopped or or what but on his phone log we, we've all seen it and the police have seen it too so about 15 minutes after 911 she made another phone call to her dad <laughs> and the boyfriend has three different stories she went running out of the house barefoot and he he let her go and then the second story is he ran out after her and he heard a car taking off and now there's another story that he supposedly saw a silver car take off so that's, you know, there's a lot of stories coming from there. It's never good when someone changes their story. Irv Miller, would you agree with that? You're a veteran trial lawyer. It's one thing if you embellish or add to your story upon questioning, but when you actually change the facts, your original facts, that's not good. That's not good, and that's why law enforcement uh, would consider a witness testimony as the uh, least uh, powerful test testimony there could be. Let I prefer forensic testimony. I prefer expert testimony. I prefer cell phone videos, uh, recordings, nine one one recordings. But witnesses lie, and other types of evidence. You don't have to worry about credibility issues like you have to do with a witness. Certainly, the boyfriend in this case. Uh, I think his credibility is probably down to zero at this point in time. Well, the first time he changed his story, actually. The first time he reportedly did nothing when she ran from the home screaming and calling 911, he lost all credibility right there. But then when he changed his story the first time, no, completely incredible. Karen Stark is joining me, renowned psychologist out of the Manhattan jurisdiction. You can find her at KarenStark.com, Karen with a C. Karen, how many times have you and I heard that police first reaction when a woman goes missing is, uh, she'll be back? And Nancy, they don't just do that. They do that all the time with missing kids. Don't worry, they'll be back. The thing that you mentioned before about the boyfriend is what's most disturbing to me because he's changed his story so many times and supposedly she was fighting with him and that was the reason that she left. So there's something up there that there's something nefarious, it seems to me, and not credible about him. And I just wonder what was really going on between the two of them and what was it that he witnessed? This is such a bizarre story and so unfair to the family. Uh, another issue is, of course, no one has been charged. No one has been named a POI, person of interest. Another issue to Nicole Parton joining us, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter, is a very disturbing post that Michaela made just days before she seemingly vanished into thin air after screaming into the phone to 911. That post says something to the effect, if I ever go missing, just know I didn't leave. What can you tell me, Nicole Parton, about this post? Absolutely. So she had posted that on her social media, and those were the exact words. If I ever go missing, I didn't leave. Um, I think it's also important to, to note, Nancy, This Michaela is a mother, I'm a mother, you're a mother. We just don't leave our children. Michaela has a beautiful two-year-old child. Um, she's not just going to run away and leave this child that she adores. Um, that message, it's as though she was telling the world, if I ever go missing, I didn't just leave. It's very haunting at this point. Well, it also uh, 
goes without saying that no one within that home reported her missing. Mm-hmm. No one followed up on the 911 call. And left behind is a three-year-old little boy that you're talking about, Nicole Parton, a three-year-old tot boy that she would never have left behind. Nicole, also, can you tell me about Concrete Washington? What do we know about it? Uh, One of the most disturbing things that I found um, about this area is I was shocked to see just how much human trafficking is happening in this very small area of Concrete Washington. Uh, to the point that this small town has detectives that just work these human trafficking cases. And I believe one of those detectives has been assigned to this case. Um, also, in that area, without, without going into too much detail that we can't discuss, in that community, in that area where she went missing, um, detectives have in prior times honed in because there have been cases of human trafficking out of that very community where she went missing. Concrete is uh, in north central Skagit County in Washington. Its population is 705. Not 705,000. Not 705,000. 705 people in concrete. Okay. Let that soak in. That greatly reduces a potential suspect pool. Would you agree, Jason Jensen? Oh, yes. That's a very small, finite number to work with. I mean, it's almost reminiscent of one of the first DNA cases in England where they were able to test the entire community because there's such a small population. Here, I'm sure law enforcement is very familiar with who are the good people, who are the, the criminals, and they can definitely start from a smaller group and work wider, tearing down different suspects. What I find interesting about this post, about if something happens to me, I, it really is reminiscent to the uh, Susan Cox Powell case that I worked on, where clearly, as we all know, Josh Power. Josh Powell, her husband, had something to do with it, that the number one reason why a woman goes missing or is in distress is usually from a from domestic violence, somebody that she's, you know, familiar with, a family member, a boyfriend, husband, things of that nature. Those are typically the first people that law enforcement needs to rule out. I'm just thinking about the human traffic angle, the aspect that Nicole Parton brought up. Uh, As a matter of fact, the county is so concerned about human trafficking and the numbers there that the Skagit County Coalition Against Trafficking Turning Off the Red Light has been formed. Now, you've got the human trafficking problem that is for some reason heavily, heavily um, evident there in Concrete Washington, but you also have this Bizarre post. If anything happens to me, I didn't leave. Marty Martone is with us. This is Michaela's aunt. Miss Martone, what did that mean? Michaela knew about, she, she talked about human trafficking uh, to myself and her mother. 
Miss Martone, when you say she discussed human trafficking, was she afraid of being human trafficked? She she was afraid. She was she she was afraid. She she was she was, she had spoke to her brother about all of the missing girls, and she actually wanted to help find missing girls. That was one of her. That was one of her uh, goals. Actually, she wanted to help people. And, you know, we told her that it, her brother told her that it was dangerous and that she, you know, she he, she asked him to take her up there and to help look for missing girls. And uh, she didn't want to, he didn't want her to, to do that. Of course, the reality is, Jason Jensen, that once someone is kidnapped and put into sex trafficking, they're gone. They're typically taken from the area. Would you agree with that? Oh, yes, 100 percent. I would agree with that. The, the biggest problem, the, the piece of this puzzle that throws me into the different direction is the fact that her cell phone was found near her residence, you know, in a bush that seems to be staged there. And if she's being trafficked, why, why go back to the scene of her last known, you know, uh, location? It, it, it seems to be too convenient to find the phone near the house. And thrown in a bush, in my mind, indicating that she had somehow ended up in that river. Guys, the search did commence, maybe too late. Take a listen to our friends at KIRO7, Jake Chapman. Police have wrapped up their search efforts for the day, but they plan to be back out here tomorrow. But they've combed this entire area we're standing in right now. They've even taken their search to the Skagit River, which is right over my shoulder here. They've had boats going up and down. They've even taken their search to the skies with drones, and they had a helicopter fly over here just this afternoon. But right now, family and friends who've traveled near and far to search for Michaela say they're going to be out here for as long as it takes. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock 
Clock Technology reviews the claims for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Back to you, Mike Hadsell, President Founder of Peace River Canine Search and Rescue. It sounds like they did get into the search, but was it too late? She goes missing on Friday, and it's Tuesday before they really get in motion. Well, at that stage, they're going to run two different types of dogs. They're going to run the live find uh, dogs and the cadaver dogs, uh, both. They should be, anyway. Um, and then they're going to have the grid teams out checking the wooded areas, uh, looking for anything that they can. I agree with the other gentleman that the, the cell phone is staged. Um, that's pretty common um, that they go back and drop something like that. Wait, who is they? Well, the criminal elements. And uh, I'll, I'll offer my theory that crime is dumb. And a lot of times they do things that they don't seem to make sense. But to them, it does. And, uh, you know, trying to indicate that she's somehow in the river. But uh, that river is, it moves, but it's fairly shallow. It wouldn't be hard to find her remains if they were in there. So she's not in the river. Would you agree, Mike Hadsell, she's not in the river? If the river is, in fact, shallow, they would have found her by now. Yes, I would I would agree with that. And I also think, uh, as far as I can tell, no one's ever searched the boyfriend's home. That is one of my questions. Was the home ever searched? Because we know this woman, 25 years old, now 26, is just before her 26th birthday, missing since she ran out of that house and called 911 only for her phone line to suddenly go dead, rendering local cops unable to find her, according to them. What do you know, Nicole Parton? Was the home ever searched? The home was not searched. Um, and even when the search dogs came out, um, a gentleman in the home refused to allow those to come in. Um, the detectives did not pursue searching inside the home early on when that 911 call was made or even after the fact. Irv Miller, that is complete incompetence. They should have gone to the home with a search warrant. Obviously, they didn't have a consent to search, which would require um, uh, absent a search warrant. Uh, and uh, a search warrant should be done quickly because once it, uh, as time progresses, any information that could lead to probable cause becomes stale and you're not going to get a search warrant. So uh, that should have been done ASAP, as you've said. But the reality is it's not too late, Irv, knowing what we know. I mean, you can still get a search warrant. Oh, absolutely. You can still get a search warrant. Now, has evidence been destroyed if there was any? Probably. But I've learned, we've all learned that it's very, very hard to get rid of certain evidence. And I'm referring specifically to blood evidence. Uh, that's very true. And I've actually participated in searches of uh, apartments uh, with uh, forensic teams from the Chicago Police Department that the apartment looked pristine to the naked eye. 
but uh, there are certain ways that um, forensic teams have ways to determine uh, if there had been blood there, if there had been uh, any type of efforts to remove the, the, the blood from the scene. Even uh, using bleach doesn't necessarily totally eliminate the you know, uh, law enforcement abilities to uh, look at. You need something more like muriatic acid. Bleach doesn't cut it. Something like a black swan muriatic acid does the trick. Uh, Marty Martone joining me. This is Michaela's aunt. Was that home ever searched? Yeah, they did. They did do a search um, on the boyfriend's residence. It was later on. Um, it wasn't immediate. I don't know exactly what they took out of there, but they did go in there um, after. I, I, I know it was at least a week. Um, the day that we all showed up there, though, uh, the boyfriend had an ex-girlfriend in the home who is a professional house cleaner. Um which was really odd to us. A professional house cleaner in the home. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what we know, Michaela Stanridge, beautiful blue eyes, is about 100 pounds, a tiny little slip of a girl, and leaving behind this now 26-year-old mom is a three-year-old little boy. This is eerily reminiscent of the case of Michelle Russ. Take a listen to our Cut 7 WMAR. Michelle Russ disappeared on the day of what was supposed to be her son's third birthday party. Her husband told police she left their Halethorpe home to go to the store that morning. Later that day, Michelle's 1998 Green Dodge Caravan was found along a street by Hillcrest Park in nearby Lansdowne. The key actually was in the driver's side door broken off inside of that caravan when it was found. Neighbors in the area were questioned about anything that they may have seen, and unfortunately nobody saw anything relating to how that van got there. And more. As far as what happened to the 24-year-old missing mom after that, Baltimore County Police Corporal Donna Carter explains why detectives believe Michelle fell victim to foul play. Her credit cards were never used. There was no ATM activity. Her checking account never had checks written against it. So foul play was assumed. Also, she was diabetic and she was a devoted mother. So it just doesn't make sense. That case of Michelle never found. It goes on and on and on. Here's another victim. Take a listen to our Cut 13 WRCB. She had so many dreams. She wanted to be a marine biologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she got detoured. I think the answers will come out uh, on the people that's involved. We just don't understand exactly you know, what happened, you know, just... Where it, went wrong. Just where it went wrong. Eastland was last known to be at the Flying J truck stop in Resaca, Georgia. That's where police found her car. Inside were her keys, her book bag, and her wallet, but she was nowhere to be found. Keys and Roberts to this day not found. And what about Gretchen Fleming? Take a listen to our Cut 15, WCHS. The Parkersburg Police Department is asking for your help in finding 27-year-old Gretchen Fleming of Vienna. Detectives say she was last seen the night of December 3rd and 4th, but relatives didn't realize she was gone quickly and did not report it until this week. Police located her purse and phone, amping up concern. Detectives have worked around the clock since then to to cultivate information and, and the public has really stepped up in regard to tips. And of course, Jane Johnson coming from a small area, much like Concrete, Washington, where the neighbors say 
Nothing like that ever happens here. Take a listen to our cut 19, our friends at KRQE. People just don't go missing like that around here. They've spent months searching all around Lincoln County, <laughs> looking for any clues to tell the hundreds of volunteers what may have happened to Gene Johnson. I mean, I think it just kind of shook everybody up a little bit. Like, who, you know, who would do this and what did they do and what? You know, where is she? It's just, it just makes no sense. Leading the search, Johnson's daughter, Heidi. It's like looking for a needle in a haystack, but I can't stop looking for her. To Marty Martone, this is Michaela Standridge's aunt. Marty, do you believe Michaela is still alive? I'm hoping and praying that she is with everything that I've got. That's what we're really hoping for. Have you spoken, have you spoken to the boyfriend. I haven't spoken to him in over a month. I tried to, I, <laughs> last time I spoke to him, it wasn't, he told me that I need to get my sources straight. I was asking who someone was and it wasn't a good conversation. Um, he told me that he wanted to talk to me personally, one-on-one. -on -one. I told him that he was responsible. He was supposed to take care of my niece and for someone to hear someone who he supposedly loves yell help 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 and go running off into the night and not call 911 or not go after her that makes him guilty in my eyes at this juncture no one has been named a person of interest no one has been charged the search for Michaela Standridge goes on while her little boy waits for mommy to come home the tip line in this case is 360 416-1911. Repeat, 360-416-1911. Goodbye, friend. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.